you? Okay. Uh, also, I want to say thank you. Uh, I got a gift, um, which is very nice uh, for, I guess, I don't know, it was Hanukkah time. So I really appreciate it very much, uh, everybody who uh, contributed. It's very, very meaningful, and I appreciate it very much. And as I said to Jenny, I think, when she got it, the biggest gift for me is that you come and we learn together because it's very meaningful for me. More than, I, more than I say sometimes, I guess, how much I like to come and learn together. So I appreciate uh, that. That token was very meaningful to me. Okay. I just told you I'm not going to do any more introductions to the sheet room, so we're just going to start. Uh, take a look at <coughs> source number one, Parsha's bow. We really didn't Shmos Ve'ira. It's like a little hard that we didn't do Shmos Ve'ira, but that's okay. We're going to go right into the end of the Makos uh, right away. We just, we just put my son's bar mitzvah on the calendar two years wow. from Parsha's bow. So Yay. he asked me when we're starting learning leaning. I said, not now. Yeah, you need like I need a little more time. Uh, but but they, now Parsha's bow is exciting for me. So uh, so here we go. By Yom Rashem Moshe, Od Nega Echad Avia Paro. I'm going to bring one more plague on Parah and Mitzrayim. That plague is going to be what? What's that? Od Nega Echad, the last one. Makas Bechoros, right? And afterwards, I'll send you out after this. I'll send you totally out. <coughs> I'll take you uh, totally out. Fine. And then he says, How do you translate the words? Please speak. Okay. Who's talking to whom? Hashem is talking to Moshe. Moshe, please. Interesting, right? But uh, yeah, I don't know. So daber na vazam. Speak into the ears of the people. Vayishalu ish me Israel v'isha me Israusa kleichesef ukleizahav. And what should they do? They should vayishalu. Translate that word. We're gonna have a hard time with this word. Ask or borrow. Us. Yishalu means to to ask. Shalos to ask, or it can mean to borrow. Okay. What? Right, men from men, women from women, clay chesef zav, silver and gold. Hence the title. Right? Um, what's ish el reyehu usually? Just by the way, just like a friend. To a friend, right, or to your fellow, right? Each you ask. Someone that could change each other as ask each other. Each other, right? Right, almost, right? right? Yeah. Right. Um, and what's going to happen? Vayitain Hashem es chein and Hashem is going to place the of the people that the people are going to are going to like them they don't like the Jewish people Gama Ish Moshe even Moshe Rabbeinu right? all of a sudden like we're, we're, Hashem doesn't speak anymore right and even Moshe right is Gadol Ma'od Be'eretz time people really like him okay and then what happens and then Moshe comes and basically tells Paro about what's going to happen in this last plague about, about midnight I'm going to come etc etc okay so basically Moshe is being introduced to the final Maka and Makas Bechoros and then afterwards we're going to leave and then Hashem throws in this interesting request in the middle and that request is tell the people to gather money Okay, who are they gathering money from? One another. Well, it sounds like one another a little bit, right? Yeah. Except what does he say after what the next pasuk says that they, the, Egyptians. the Egyptians really like the Jewish people, right? Do we usually say they took the money from one another? No. Took it from the Egyptians, right? Right. That's what they do. They take it from the Egyptians. But we said right? that happened during Kosha. Like Us. we said 
We, meaning like... The Midrash says that during Choshech, they were able to... That's how they knew where it was. The Midrash asks, how did they know they had gold and silver? And it says, oh, during Choshech, they had light, they went into the houses, and they found it, and then they were able to say, oh, I'll let me go in the silver. And they come and say, actually, don't you have in your back of your closet, in, in the second shelf, don't you have, you know? So fine. But, okay, I, I just, I, I'll ask the question, but you can, I, why is this important? Daber na. Hashem says to Moshe, please. Hashem has given Moshe a lot of, a lot of commands during his stint as the leader of the, of the Jewish people for the last nine months or so, right? And each makkah is about one month long, right? So it's so one month of the whole thing. The warning, the makkah, the aftermath of the makkah takes about 10 months for the 10 makkahs to take place. So well, while the sudden Hashem is coming and pleading to Moshe, Daber, nah, please Moshe, right? Do it for me. It's an interesting question. Uh, and the simpler question, what, what is this about? Gold and silver? Is that like a value? Or else they should like load up well, with money, yeah. Knowing what they do with it or the use that they'll have with what's it. What's the use of it? it? The Mishkan. The Mishkan? What's, the, what's their, what's their other they, use yeah, of it? The, yeah, they they don't know that. But, um, yeah. They don't know that. Right. Good. We're not told. That was a so you can build a Mishkan. Right. right. They're not told no, that. They're not. Right. They're not told that. Which works really well for the. Who says that? The Mishkan was actually just a, an, after. an afterthought. It was, yeah. like, it was like after they messed up the Chadegal, mm-hmm. they had to build it, right? right. But, but they, they're definitely not told they're going to use it for. Right. Right? Okay. But Any I other mean, problems with this? If you're leaving as slaves and now you're going out into the world, it's probably good to have some tradable commodities. Okay. Or, well, or maybe, nothing. Maybe, maybe just for like building the land when they get there or... Okay. They need some things. Okay. Good. I mean, the word borrow is disturbing. Yeah, why is that disturbing? We're not giving it back. How does the borrowing, by the way, fit with the overall story? There's another problem in this story, which we've talked about, I think, oh, in yeah. years past. Right? That Moshe's consistent reprieve to Paro is, let us go for three, three days. days. Right? I think we've talked about that, the yeah. three days yeah. thing. Um, but this fits very nicely into that, like, trickery sort of of oh we'll tell power it's for three days and then like this kind of the simple shot there is that that's why power is willing to come chase after us because after three days that they don't he waits to see sends spies to see if we've come back it's Peshalach right it's been three days they go out and they don't come back oh now power goes after us why is that because power assumed the whole time it was just a three-day reprieve to go uh you know to to, to go daven and, and, and bring korbanos and then you're going to come back just the language is like go to your BFFs and say we're going out for a little while. Can I just borrow some money? Like, can I borrow some jewelry? I'm, I'm going to the wedding. Can I borrow a necklace? Right, and then like just kidding, not coming back. Right, that's yeah, but not coming back. Who's giving slaves? They they hate that they never talk to. Why would you lend them anything? Okay, like, why would you lend them anything? This is ridiculous. Okay, well, mean that they're not going to do it? Yeah, why would why would an Egyptian? Well, what, well, that's the next pasuk. It's very good, Jenny, because the next pasuk is Vaitein Hashem Eschena Amenei Mitzrayim. Right, what happened afterwards is that the Jewish people actually, somehow, the Egyptians start to like them. What, but did they live in close proximity to each other? The no, assumption they is... they live in Goshen and they live somewhere so, else, right? So no, at first... They, over time, oh, they ah, right at first we live in Goshen. So at first we live in Goshen. But then we start to, to mix, right? And that's <laughs> the reason why... Upasachti <laughs> Alechem. Why does Hashem have to skip over our houses to get to the Mitzrim? The implication is that we were living in the same neighborhoods. Even the slaves? Like the 
know. Why do they let the slaves so like the next shacks to next to the mansions? Right. It doesn't make any sense. We, I mean, I, I think we talked, did we, I don't remember when we talked about this, but the Nitziv has this very strong language. I actually mentioned it when I spoke about uh, anti-Semitism uh, a few weeks ago, um, that the Nitziv has a very, very strong language, that part of what happened in Mitzrayim was that at first they're going to be in Goshen, and then slowly but surely... They start, they want, the, the, Jewish, the Jewish people want to become part of Egyptian society. So they move closer, they become, they become involved in their, uh, all their, th- their, and their life, etc. And that's, and that's when they, the Nitziv said, that's, the Nitziv argues that whenever we get too close, that's when they, that's when they, yeah, when they from right, so Nitziv is something, right. I thought the whole reason why we got redeemed was because we kept our Jewish names, our clothing, and our, our, well, only our those we did, but yeah, maybe only those yeah, things. but that's a lot. <laughs> right. I mean, an Egyptian. Right. But the bottom line is, Yes, they were living together with the Egyptians. No, it's a, it's a good point. 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 Ah, okay. Why would it be payment? Because they've been slaves. Okay. Good. Not like borrow, but like reparations, compensation. Yeah, but it doesn't say you owe us, so give me. It says, can I borrow? Yeah. Good. You're, we're assuming that Shaul means borrow. If you assume Shaul means borrow, it's right. very problematic. If right. you assume Shaul doesn't mean borrow, then you're in a, better, in a little bit better shape. But the whole thing is uncomfortable. And I'm going to show you two pieces in Chazal which show how uncomfortable Chazal felt with this whole thing. Take a look at source number two. Daber na bazneam. Says the Gemara in Brachos and Daf. Tess Amon Aleph. It actually continues on the Tess Amon Beis also. The Gemara says this. Imre debe Rabbi Yanai. It said in the had the base manager of Rabbi Yanai. Eina... Ela lashon bakasha. Right? The word na means it's a request. Hashem's asking something. And that is confusing to Chazal. Right? Because Hashem doesn't ask us things. Hashem tells us, to tells us what to do. Right. Hashem commands us. Right? Anyone ever said that phrase? I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I never say that. More than once a day. Um, so I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. It's time for bed. Right? So, um, but Hashem doesn't ask. Hashem tells us. Right? So, so Chazal have to explain why is Hashem so like, so, uh, you know, all of a sudden now I'm making requests of Moshe. I'm like, Kaddish Baruch Hu Moshe. Hashem says to Moshe, I'm asking you, I'm begging you. Go ask Am Yisrael. Go ask the Egyptians for their gold and silver. Why? That that tzaddik, which tzaddik we're going to see in a second, we shouldn't say, Vavadum vinu osam kiyem bahem, vachrechen yitzubichush kadol, lo kiyem bahem. Meaning that what's Avram Vavinu going to say? You gave me this promise that vavadum vinu osam, your children are going to go to a strange land and they're going to be persecuted in that land. And then Hashem promised, vachrechen yitzubichush kadol. At the end, they're going to leave with a lot of money. So I did that part, the first, I did part A. But part B is only going to happen if what? If they ask for it. And if they don't ask for it, what's going to happen? I'm going to be found to be a charlatan. Right? Kivyochal. That Kaddish Baruch was a liar. That Hashem promised Avram not that they'd be, that they'd be um, uh, you know, in servitude, but also they'd come out with money. So he says to, to Moshe, please, please, make sure to ask the people to do this. Rona, what's the problem? <laughs> if he wants Seem to, to be bothered. gold and silver, he can just... Give it all to them. Why is he putting it on them to go and ask for for it? He just did 10 months worth of makos. Like, yeah. Hashem who can bring... To begin with. What? 
it's funny, it seems a little circular. Like, why do you promise that they come out with gold? Well, you promised it, so now we have to do it, so let's... Didn't Hashem, so doesn't Hashem live outside of time, even, right? So he... Right, he, right, they, so it's, it's all happening in an this, inside This is not a conversation between you and human beings. It's a very difficult Gemara. Yeah. It's very difficult. What does that mean? Moshe, please make sure that, that Shmero goes and asks... Because he kept his Jewish name. Right? Goes and asks... Right, right? Uh, the, whatever they call I don't know what people's names are. Mrs. Uh, Ahmad. Mrs. Ahmad, whatever. For, for, her, for her gold, because then I'm going to be a liar. Like, your Bosham can create gold and silver. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Very good. Okay. So, uh, so, so I said, fine. Um, and, and, and by the way, the other interesting question is, wouldn't they, why does they have to ask them so, so... Nicely, normally, no, and Like, lightly. don't the people want, go, like, really be like, they're going to like, be like, nah, we're not going to do it. No, like, really ask them, really beg them to do it. Like, why would they not do it? Check this out. Uh, so look, so look, so look, so look. So check this out. So check out the Gemara says. Says gives a mashal. The end of the third line. Imagine there's a person who's in jail. People said him. We're going to take you out of jail tomorrow. I'm going to give you a lot of money. He says to them. <laughs> just say that today, I don't care. Right? right? When a person wants, yeah, right, I'm, I'm like totally like this. Like if I have to wait till like the next day for something, I'll, or I can do it right now, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, just, I'll do things that are totally irrational just to get it done right now. Right? And I can't think of an example right now. But like uh, something like, just do it now. After whatever it is, you have to pay for like, extra, it's extra 50 bucks. Fine, take care of it now and I'll, I don't have to worry about it. Right? So it's sort of some little thing like, I just want to leave. Right, it's so bad. I just want to leave. So I won't get the money. I don't care about the money. I just want to leave. Right. So the, almost like that. The reason he has to ask them is because maybe they don't. Right now, all they want is just to get out of there. And that the idea of asking for the money is something that's actually not so intuitive necessarily. That they would want. I can hear the opposite argument. I can hear the opposite argument, but interesting. But but what's clear from the Gemara? Forget the back and forth. What's clear from the Gemara? What's Chazal struggling with? They may not want to do this. Yeah, what, what else? What else bothers them? The whole thing's weird. Why do we need to... Why do we need to do this? Why are we asking for it? Why is Hashem asking us, begging us? Because Hashem has to fulfill His promise. Like, but there's like this uncomfortableness with the fact that Hashem is making this request of Moshe. Because it's weird. It doesn't seem to make sense. So the Chazal give an answer, which I, I get... answers the question, sort of, right? But it's not... It's still uh, uh, difficult. I'll show you another Gemara. Source number three. I, you know, I won't read the whole thing inside for right now. You have the English here also. But that basically, the Gemara tells a story that the, there were Egyptians who came to Alexander the Great. So this is, you know, many generations later. I don't know. That was, how many years? 1,500 years later? I don't know. 1,000 years later? They come to Alexander the Great and they, and they want to have a time on the Jewish people. And they argue. The Jewish people owe us our money back. They took, they took all our money. We want it back. Okay. And so they give the opportunity for a representative of the Jewish people to like respond. This person named Gevia Ben Peshisa. Ben Peshisa. And he says back to them. So he says like, okay, let me think about it. And he comes back. And he says, wait a second, why do you want your money back? Right? So they say, well, because the Torah says that you only borrowed it. So he says, okay, but you owed it to us. Because we worked for you for all those years. Right? And so they don't even have a response. So he says, well, pay up for the, the, the work of all these people for 210 years. 
that, that, you know, then you'll get your money back. So, so they, have, they have no response. But again, you see the Gemara also is like, they borrowed the money, should they sort of deserve it back. Okay, but maybe they have, we deserve payment. There's like, again, this like sort of uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, for inflation. Yeah, good point. For a thousand years. Um, oh, in this country, a thousand years from now, it's 800% inflation. I don't know. Um, but you'll find it also in the Rishonim. Take a look at source number four. Source number four, the Ibn Ezra says, There's those who, are, who complain and they say, Our, our grandparents, they were, they were thieves. Right, but, they, but what are you going to do? There was a mitzvah. So he says, Don't ask me why. Hashem created everything. Hashem gives wealth to one person, and then he takes it away, he gives it to somebody else. Hashem decides who has money, who doesn't have money. It's not bad because Hashem is in charge. <laughs> yeah, wh- why? Why do we say meh to that? Basically, what's the answer? Because God can do whatever he wants. God says so. Right. But we don't like the mechanism of stealing. If he could do whatever he wants, he could have done it without that. So right. It Me- meaning, the when Ibn Ezra says this, what, what do we kind of think? Like, you really don't have an answer. Right. right? Like, 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 that no is like momish last, to it's a momish last resort. Right? Because some kids, sometimes when my kids like, are like, over, like, but I have a wide, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Hashem said so. Right? I, I don't have to tell you. Sometimes, and, and by the way, sometimes that is the answer. No problem. Sometimes that's yeah. the answer. We don't know. Fine. But like, when even Ezra resorts to, because God says so, that is, that's hard. And that means, again, that he's struggling with this. Right? It's difficult. In fact, people were yelling, him, yelling at him about it. And he didn't know what to say to them. Rabbeinu B'chayai, source number five. No, this is not she'el. So there's only a few ways to deal with this, right? One is to say Hashem said so. That's one answer, right? The other answer, which we saw already a little bit, we'll get to more, is maybe this is some type of payment, right? The other answer is to say, wasn't she'ila doesn't mean what you think it means. She'ila does not mean borrowing, right? It means something else. This is not she she'ila amanas lahachzir, right? She'ila meaning borrowing with the intent of returning it. That's not what this is. What the request is, give me a gift. I'm not asking for, a, a, you know, a, to borrow them. What are we borrowing them for? It doesn't make any sense. We don't, we don't want to borrow it. Rather, they're asking for a gift. And this, that next pasuk is, and don't worry, you're going to say to me, why would they give it over? Right? What, what kind of ridiculous... Why would they give their money away? And the answer is, Hashem's to make a nice. That basically people are going to say, you know what, it's fine, take it. Right? And that actually itself is a miracle. And that what Hashem was telling them is, just go, do me a favor, go collect. And we said, well, Hashem can make anything happen. He's going to make it happen. He's actually going to right, allow the people to give it over. Which, by the way, is fascinating because we don't ever talk about this one. We always talk about how Hashem took away the free will of Paro. Right? How does he take away his free will? Paro says No. How about this one? Sounds like he a little bit tinkers with the free will of the Egyptians in this case and has them go ahead and, right, and give it over. Give the money. The only issue, I'm, it's not an issue, but like usually when somebody says that they change like the definition of a word, there's precedence for the changing of the word, right? They say, well, you see here and here. Right. It's also used in this context. Right. I feel like... There are other, there are other examples where the word she'ila, yeah. The Rashbam, 
Our favorite. I didn't bring. I only had so. I've already had so many pages here. The Rashbam also says Sheila means a gift. But from where? Uh, I forget what he says. There are the there are other places where the word Sheila is used. It's a good question. Okay. It's, a very, it's a very good question. But the Rashbam, who's like our Pashtan, right? He always is looking for the simple pshat. So he, he says it has to mean a gift. So, which is helpful because you know the, the Rashbam is not going to like mess mm-hmm. with. The Pshat, right? I know so, that's just because we're in the Gemara because I never learned Gemara. So, yeah. so <coughs> Ezra said something and then like 300 years later Rabbeinu Bachia like commented on his comment. They're right around the same time actually. Oh. Like, even Ezra, even Ezra's or? like, I forget, they're both around like 12, 1300. So is this like an ongoing discussion between yes. two people? Or uh, no, people not like, necessarily. They didn't necessarily know each other. Oh, but but like, like, yeah, everyone's, no, but it's a good, that's a very good question. I should put the, I should put the dates in the, in the, okay, in the years. I don't always do that. Um, but yeah, but even, like, we've shown him as like 1000 to the end of the 1400s basically. Right, so the Gemara is done by like 300, 400, and in between you have like the Ravanan, you know, Savarai, we don't really hear from so much, and then the Gaonim are like 700, 800, 900, and then we've shown them as like 1,000 to like end of the 1400s, and then starting 14, like end 1400s, beginning the 1500s is what we call the Achronim, like of Yosef Cairo, already, Shulchan Aruch, that starts then, and then everyone else is called like Achronim. And they're all just commentaries on the Gemara. So it depends. Here, the Rabbi Ibn Ezra is a commentary on. Other things. On, the, on the Torah, on but they're all comments on the, on Gemaras. They can be comments on on the Torah, but they're all when we call them Rishonim Nachronim. We just it's really just about the time period they okay. lived. Rishonim is like a thousand to fourteen hundred ish, and Nachronim is like fifteen hundred and on. And anyone who's like older than that, you know. Okay, but yeah, no, it's a good question. Wait, I have a quick question. So yeah. when we say that maybe Vishalu means that it's a gift, yes. not that Vishalu literally means gift, but that Vishalu we're translating as ask, ask for gift. a gift. Okay, ask for a gift, okay. yes. Um, yes, no, no, that's a good question. Yeah, to ask for, it still so, so comes to the language of Sheila, which means to ask. Right. But I can ask for a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but Lishol oftentimes means either to ask a question, right? Or Lishol oftentimes means to, 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 to borrow. You can all, Lishol is to borrow very often. Oh. But the point is that Lishol can also mean to take as a gift. But it's from the same root, Sheila. Sha'al, as in to, to take, to take, oh, right. to take, right? So to take it as a gift or to take oh, it as a as a as a bar, yeah, correct. Okay. Okay. Um, but then he says, he says the second line there, and don't tell me they're stealing from from them. Chalila, it was permissible. Why? The work they did for them, you can't even. You can't possibly make a cheshbin of how much, right, how much, you know, money that is. They owe them. They worked 24 hours a day for these people for 210 years. How much money did they owe them? You can't even possibly, right, tell me how much that is. This is even going further. We have a rule when it comes to an Eved. And I think someone mentioned this before. Right? If you have a slave that works for you seven years. A Jewish slave, Jewish owner. You can't send a slave free with no money. Rather, means you have to give them some, some money to take with them when they leave. You can't just send a, send a slave off with nothing. You have to give them money. The point is that we have it even within the Torah. The idea that when you send a slave off, you don't send them empty-handed. It's not right. Right? That's for seven years. This was 210 years. Right? So how much more so do they deserve some money on their way out? Okay? 
So, so he says, in the end of the day, this was coming to them. And it wasn't a, requ- wasn't a request for a, a, to borrow. They're not tricking people. They're saying, pay up. Pay up. In the end of the day, pay, up, pay us. What's still uncomfortable about it? I mean, your individual neighbor is not the one who potentially owes you the back pay. Okay. So first of all, who, like each and every right. Mitzri owes. Okay. The Mitzri themselves were like sort of slaves to power also. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's like a little hard. Right. Also, it's uncomfortable. It makes them go ask. Right. You could have them like, all oh, the Mitzri bring like, they're, they're commanded to bring all the money to a central place and every Jew will get a certain amount. Like, mm-hmm. This is not so, uh, right. you know, rigorously, carefully allocated, right? It was like, you know, I wonder what happened when the different Jews were like taking their, their camels out and everyone had different amounts on their, you know, on their camel. Well, the, but, the Egyptians couldn't say no, I guess. I mean, because Hashem... Well, Hashem control, controlled, controlled them. them, made them say yes, yeah, yeah. But also, just, just to take a step back for a second, like, this is all about, we were in Gullus, and now we're going to be in Geula. Yeah. We're going to get the Torah, mm-hmm. the chosen people. It's like a, this is a grand story here. And we're getting so technical with, like, retribution. Like, this has nothing to do with retribution. This is to do with God's promise to the to our forefathers. Like, it's a much grander thing. And therefore what? This, this, so that's why it doesn't bother So that's why it bothers you or it doesn't bother that's you? That's why the whole thing. Bothers the whole you. The thing. Bothers, me. bothers whole, you. Yeah, the whole story. This doesn't fit in the grand scheme. This is supposed to be lofty and exalted. Like borrow or ask, like, the, like it doesn't even make sense at all. Right. Of what this has nothing to do. And I was thinking, I was really trying to think, like, well, what does it could it represent? But you know, because like really, the slaves they need to change their mindset. But that's what the carbon Pesach is all about. Killing their gods. Killing their, their god. Yeah. So it's, this is not really. I was hope like I was trying to think like what could it be like a mindset. But no, that's what the carbon pencil was for. So it's really bugging you? Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. I like it. I like it when it bothers you. I mean, I'm not trying to bother you, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm saying. And now this year is over. Everyone go home. Figure it out. Um, good. Take a look at the Nitziv. The Hamak Dever, six, number six. 1850. Around 1850 is when the Nitziv lived. So he's an Acheron. He's the, the Nitziv was the Rosh Yeshiva and the Velazhin Yeshiva. A much more contemporary person. And he writes, Ve'yishalu. Right? The Mitzrayim didn't know what was going on. They're not, they're not privy. There's not like, no one's tweeting out the conversations between Moshe and Paro. Right? And they think that they're going to come back. They don't know that Paro's like, that Moshe's like stopped asking for three days and we're out of here and we're not coming back anymore. And Paro's like, never say, I want to see your face ever again. They don't know that. They think they're going to come back. Right? Uh, sorry. So, so, what, so what's Hishilom? So, so fine. So the bottom line is they asked them. And they thought they're coming back. That's what Nitzv says. And they thought they needed all this gold and silver for a three-day jaunt in the desert. So, so, uh, so uh, I'm going to show you something else. Check this out. No, no, no. I'm going to show you something else. Check this out. No, 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 no. Let me show you something so amazing. Hold on. Hold on, no, no, no. He says that's what it says. Hishilum v'loy haya bezeh shemitz ava, but it's no problem with it. Why? Shari bedin haya lakarish baruchu letavos labuz gamkin. Hashem told them they could take it. Ela shi ritzono yit barach haya shiya bezeh ofen kadeshi yudu for acharka chachari yisrael. So the tzib says this is all planned, right? This is like this is this is warfare, right? He gets them to give them the money, and then when they're not back after three days, what's going to happen? Paul's like, let's go get him. And his people are like, are you kidding me? Go get them? Like, 
Do you, have you not been here for the last 10 months? Do you know what happened to our whole economy? It's been destroyed and obliterated. Why are we going to get them at the Yamsuf? We don't want to do that. Like and what's the answer? It's just, yeah, but he has your wife's, you know, ring. He's like, oh, shoot. Okay, I'll come, right? That makes it personal for them. Right? And it creates a reason for them to chase after the Jewish people. Right? And if it wasn't the fact that they had the money, it okay, sort of it is chicanery. It is trickery. But you know what? This is what needs to happen because this is what this is, right? This is the big plan. Right? But check out what it's right in source number seven. In source number seven, this is on in uh in, in Gimel, where, where Hashem mentions this idea also, and he's and the Torah says, This samtam You're gonna take the gold and silver and you're gonna put it on your children. Why are you talking about putting on your children? Check this out. Why? We can't load up our donkeys and our, and our cattle with, with mounds and mounds of gold and silver. We're only going for three days. So what should you do? You don't have to know you're not coming back. Take more than you need. You know, I also need a necklace for my daughter. I also need a ring for my son. I also need, right? Like, and they all have to match. You know, so like, right? We are Jewish after all, right? So they, are, right? they have to match. So, right? So, the, the, all, like the, the extent to which they were like going to do this to trick them so they would eventually show up. It, the, the part of this might still make you feel uncomfortable, right? Because it's a little bit like all the Jewish people get involved in this like song and dance just to get the mitzvah to show up so Hashem can, can, can drown them in the Yamsuf, right? But that is what the, the, the Nitziv argues what's going on here. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Because give me another reason, Ronan. I, I don't have. I haven't seen anything better than this. <laughs> but if Hashem could make the Mitzrayim be willing to give over gold and silver, He could make them want to go chase after Ben Israel to drown in the Yamsuf. Free will. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't mess with free will. Ah, uh, but He did here to make them give the money. Right, but he's making them right. He's making them over. Wait, 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 wait. How is wait, wait. How is he messing with free will? Hashem says, "Nasan Hashem, Chayna Am Bnei Mitzrayim." Okay. I mean, the whole thing is just yeah. I'm trying to help, but I feel like it's imploding a little. Yeah. Good. Good. No, this is still not. We're not done. But so this is another idea. So one idea is right. Right. One idea is that they, get, they need to get paid anyways. Right. The other one is that they're not asking for, for borrowing. They're asking to give to pay them to pay them money. Others are saying no. This is a, a way of getting them to come to the yam, which is kind of cool. Take a look at that. Now, Torah source number nine. nine is Rizalman Saratskin, who was a rov in the Ukraine and survived the war and ended up coming to Yerushalayim. And look what he says. Such a fascinating thing. Okay. I know it's a little hard to read, so I'll, I'll read it. Daberna. And Hashem requests them you to take the money. Read it. You never ask for volunteers. It's true. I don't like to ask for volunteers. It makes you feel uncomfortable. It's okay. Ronnie, you want to read? No. Okay. Daberna. You know what I'm saying. Whatever. I don't know. What do you want from me? Daberna. Eina el Hashem bakasha. Bakasha zulama. Why does Hashem have to ask Moshe to ask them to take the money? Such big tzaddikim. Nobody wants gold and silver. Should Sarah have a kesha song? You shall do it. Like requested of them. What? What? Avram Avinu is be angry at you? 
V'chi ain't a kadosh baruch hu rotsa lekaim av tachaso el kadosh shal yomer oso. What Hashem doesn't want to fulfill his promise anyways? Just so Avram shouldn't be angry at him. Like what is this all about? Tavar zeh nishal achacham v'lo pirshuhu. He says Chazal have had no explanations for this. Ad she pirshu hazmanazeh until our generation. Shebo also sheilas hashilumim mi Germania harura ba'aruchus Israel. Reparations, right? To get paid by the Germans. Sheshad davar sheyachariva ba'artsa uvachomakom shedarka kaf raglam hatameya shalkis. Klaugesia, I know that is. Rotzcheha shahargu yoser misheshes million me achenu bnei Yisrael yoshve Europa. Right. This Shaila of whether to take the money or not to take the money, we're like, what's wrong? Why would they not take the money? Well, that question now came up, right, at this point. When the, when the, when the uh, Allied forces finally won, also, now the question came up. There was, there was two sides. Kitsasam, Omrim, some said. The people killed us, now are going to finance us? And others said, what do you mean? Yeah, we're not going to have a conversation with them, we're not going to get into this back and forth with them. What, you can pay me? For my brother and my sister and my parents? You, you give me money and that's enough? Now, now, now I can feel better? Shashafchu has damam kamayim, you spilled their blood like water. Umizedni kach lavinis rigashot avoteinu. He says, now you can understand the emotions of Am Yisrael in Egypt. Yotze Mitzrayim. Shebavada yehu b'neim harbe avos. There are many people, I'm sure. Shamitzrim shakaluos, shachluosam in b'neim. Veloratu lavo b'masav amatim im ma'aneim v'shokhte yaldeim v'chashu es kekesav v'savad. They took their children, they murdered them. And now you're going to come to that same Egyptian who murdered your child and say, you know, can you give me a necklace? I'm going to take money because you killed my child? You threw it into the water? Right, you put them in the walls? Right, like the Medrash says, they didn't have a brick, so they put a baby in there. And so many of them said, I don't want to take anything. Others said, What do you mean? We should get, of course you should get paid. We worked for 210 years. We shouldn't at least take their money. No, we're not getting paid back. What's the, what's the opposite argument? What do you mean? They're not paying me back. Nothing can pay back, but they can pay us some money anyways. I shouldn't walk away with nothing. And Hashem understood the hearts of these people. And he saw that they were so, you know, sabrachan and sad and, and, and heart wrenched from the children that were killed. So Hashem didn't force them. Right? He didn't hold it over their head like a mountain, meaning like the rest of... Every other mitzvah Hashem says, do it. This one Hashem says, do me a favor. I know it's hard for you. I know you don't really want to do this. You may not want to. But I'm asking you to, do, to help me and take the money. 
amazing. And what's the reason you asked them to do so? They don't want it. They don't want the money. So he says, I have to fulfill my, fulfill my, my promise. And there's probably other reasons why Hashem wanted us to have gold and silver going out, right? And maybe it's because also we deserve the money. But he knew that it's too hard for them to do it and to command them to do so would be too painful. And so he says, if you, if you do me a favor, I'm asking. I'm just asking if you could do it for me. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing insight. But I'll add with one last point. One last piece. One last piece. Rabbi Sachs says such a nice idea here. I really like it. I've seen it many years ago and I couldn't remember where it was and I finally like, thanks to Google Drive, I found it somewhere <laughs> in my notes that, I, that Rabbi Sachs had an idea and I was able to find it. And Rabbi Sachs writes like this. He has the same exact kasha. What is, what is it with the money? Who cares? Slavery, he writes, needs narrative closure. To acquire freedom, a slave must be able to leave without feelings of antagonism to his former master. He must not depart laden with a sense of grievance or anger, humiliation or slight. Were he to do so, he would have been released but not liberated. Physically free, mentally he would still be a slave. The insistence on parting gifts represents the Bible's psychological insight into the lingering injury of servitude. There must be an act of generosity on the part of the master if the slave is to leave without ill will. Slavery leaves a scar on the soul that must be healed. When God told Moses to tell the Israelites to take parting gifts from the Egyptians, it is as if he were saying, yes, the Egyptians enslaved you. That is about to become the past. Precisely because I want you to remember the past, it is essential that you do so without hate or desire for revenge. What you are to recall is the pain of being a slave, not the anger you feel towards your slave masters. Right? How many times in the Torah does Hashem say, don't do X or Y or Z, that's like 24, 25 times. Right? Remember what it was like to be a slave. Not remember how angry you are at the Mitzrim, but remember that experience and don't do it to somebody else. Uh, there must be an active symbolic closure. This cannot be justice in the fullest sense of the word. Such justice is a chimera. And the desire for it is insatiable and self-destructive. Right? You're always going to want justice and always get paid back. It's impossible. Why? Because there's no amount of money. It's impossible. There's no way of restoring the dead to life or of recovering the lost years of liberty denied. But neither can the people deny the past, deleting it from the database of memory. If they try to do so, it will eventually come back. Freud's return of the repressed and claim a terrible price in the form of high-minded, altruistic vengeance. Therefore, the former slave owner must give the former slave a gift, acknowledging him as a free human being who has contributed, albeit without choice, to his welfare. This is not a squaring of accounts. It is rather a minimal form of restitution of what today is called restorative justice. Hatred and liberty cannot coexist. This is amazing. A free people does not hate its former enemies. If it does, it is not ready, yet ready for freedom. I mean, Sachs talks about this all the time. To create a non-persecuting society out of people who have been persecuted, you have to break the chains of the past, rob memory of its sting, sublimate pain into constructive energy, and the determination to build a different future. Freedom involves the abandonment of hate because hate is the abdication of freedom. That's why we say, the last line there, Lo titaev mitri you, shouldn't hate it. you should not hate an Egyptian. If I should hate anybody, I should hate an Egyptian. Right? But 
the reason that not to hate them is not because of what it does to them. It's because of what it does to me. It's a projection of our conflicts onto an external force whom we can then blame, but only at the cost of denying responsibility. It's a big conversation in the world today, right? right? When we feel victimized, how, how healthy is it to stay in that victim place? And at what point do we have to step out of it? And I'm not saying I have the answer to that question, but Rabbi Sachs is clearly speaking to like a balance that's needed of victimization versus also being willing to say, I have, I have responsibility for my fate and for my destiny. That was Moses' message to those who were about to enter the promised land. Because right? he tells, this, this is, comes to Parshish Kitetse, that a free society can be built only by people who accept the responsibility of freedom, subjects who refuse to see themselves as objects, people who define themselves by love of God, not by hatred of the other. Do not hate an Egyptian because you were strangers in his land, says Moses, meaning to be free, you have to let go of hate. Rabbi Sachs would argue, sounds like, that the reason that Hashem makes them take the money is not because they deserve it, not because he needs to fulfill any, I mean, the Bedger says that, but that really this is about allowing them to let go of the past. Yeah. If you get something, you get something on the way out, it takes the sting off a little bit, a little, a little. We're not talking about, it doesn't restore, right? but it, it allows you to move forward with your life. And that's really in the end what Hashem's looking for them to do. I, to me, this is like the most, you know, Get Rice Sachs classic, you know, to like take something that's like impossible to understand and like make it make total sense, right? Um, but I don't know what the answer is, but it's a lot of these, I think, all together. It's very complicated and very difficult. And you see the Rishonim and the Gemaras and the Chazal like really have a hard time with this, which again, which I think is good, anyways, because it's nice to see them have a hard time with it. Why? Because it shows that our real values are that we don't believe in stealing and, and borrowing, fake and lying, and it's something we're not comfortable with. And that's good. So Hashem had whatever reason he needs, whatever one he wanted to use for this, why he needed to do it. Fine. One time. You know? But the fact that, that Chazal is so bothered by it, I think to me, is like maybe itself the, the, the most beautiful part of the, part of the whole thing. You know? You wish they, I wish they would say that to the little kids. Something. Just a little disclaimer when you teach this sort of thing. Yeah. Like, now we all can. Yeah. Now we all can. Yeah, it's not just got, gotcha. Right, it's not just gotcha. And we don't want to be a gotcha, guys. Yeah. Yeah. If I was teaching like a kindergarten class, what I would say. Yeah, say, how would you explain this? Yeah. Well, in, in, my, in my daughter's class, when they were learning the song, um, the Mitchum were punished again and again, the teacher right. did not sing that part. And she said, I know that Hashem punished the midterm, but that doesn't mean that we need to sing, sing that. it over and over. Right. So she changed right. the words for right, 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 right. the kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, but, I, I'm just I, no, but the point is, you don't want to... Sometimes we use these things to give license to things that we know are not, not our values. Yeah. And you have to be careful that certain things like this, like, what do you mean? I could be a swindler and a smart guy and pull, and pull moves. That's what Am Yisrael did. It's like, right. uh, mm-hmm. not so fast. So do you think that if we reread Chazal they actually underlying are saying that or no, they really just weren't psychologically... You see Rabbi Sachs' point? Yeah. Like, I'm um, so sad to think that Chazal weren't... Like, I just thinking, how did Eve and Ezra not come up with anything there? Yeah, and I, and I just wonder, no, if we reread it, and, like, is that their... I have that same concern the sometimes. Ruskin is, a, is a brilliant, right? Like, I feel like crying. Like, that's so it's sad amazing. That's an amazing oh, right? horror. Isn't that so amazing? It's an amazing story. Rabbi Sachs is a whole modern sort of it's psychological interpretation. Psychological you do find, you do find, even within the Chazal, a lot of times, though, these, these modern psychological... Yeah, you do. Pieces, you, you do find right. it a lot. So I'm not. Right. I don't know what to say. Like that. Like the Ibn Ezra didn't know Rabbi Sachs said. I, I don't know. I find it a little hard to believe. But maybe the, the Ibn Ezra might say like, he may not. Need, he may just like. I don't need that. 
Like he, his argument might be like, I don't want to go there. Like I because the, the, the counter argument Rabbi Sachs is like, okay, if that makes you feel better, right? Yeah, or like, like this is what God wanted to do, and He wanted to get them, and it's, it's part of the pillar of our our, our belief that the Mitzvah are going to be are going to be drowned in the Yamsuf, and all of Amish has to see the Kriyas Yamsuf, and the world saw Kriyas Yamsuf, and like, okay, in order to make it happen, Hashem doesn't do things always poof. Hashem can do anything poof, but He does almost nothing like that. There's almost nothing. There's almost no nace that happens out of thin air. It always happens with some constellation of natural phenomenon that that come together at just the right time. Right? So, like, even Chris Yamsev, there's a big wind, right? Like, there's always somewhere to go there, you know what I mean? So, like, the argument might be, time is my time is up. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the argument might be that, like, not that they didn't know Rabbi Sex, but, like, they didn't, they didn't want to go there. They don't want that. Yeah, or like, or, 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 or I don't need that. I, I don't need. I, I don't need to make it all fit, fit together so nice and, right. and beautiful. Let, let Rabbi Sorotskin right. be. But you know, you're the only one that explained why Hashem said please. Nobody else explained that. Oh, yeah, it's a nice shot. Yeah. No, Chazal are saying please. Are you saying why the why? please? Why we were please fulfill? Right, fulfill. The so maybe there's an element of Hashem wants the people to fulfill the promise. I don't know, but like. You're right. I'm just saying, you're right. Rabbi Sachs feels nice, warm, and fuzzy. It doesn't mean... It doesn't... I'm saying, but I'm saying, why can't you say that Ibn Ezra did not have the same insight as Rabbi Sachs? No, because... Why is that so... No, I'm not... life experiences, I'm saying, are reflected in there. Yeah, Ibn Ezra had a very high life also. Ibn Ezra had a very difficult life. But yeah. I just... Maybe no. I just... Well, Ibn Ezra's error, like, they couldn't even fathom. I don't think... No, but I'm just saying... I'm not saying couldn't fathom it, but maybe he didn't like it. Maybe he doesn't like you're right. Maybe he didn't think of it. I don't know. He's a human I, being. But like, but okay. I, I'm just all I'm saying is that it's always a good question. You said there's like a beautiful answer, like Rabbi Hirsch and Rabbi Sachs, and mm-hmm. you know, like well, like no one else thought of that. Yeah. And the answer is uh, they know how to speak to their generation, and everybody's speaking to their generation. Yeah, think, you know, and I don't think it means that they didn't right. think Rabbi Sachs they, they couldn't have figured out that yeah. shot also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look how they could have, but, but it, you know, everyone speaks to who they know. 